Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following well, like fine program. Voice. He sounds Accomplishment Coaching, trustworthy. where coaches lead That's and you. leaders coach. Oh, it is? AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. And those are the dulcet tones of Dick Warren. Thank you, Dick, for all of your contributions through our career here in whatever this is, Podcast uh, Central. My name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach, because you have to say it that way when you talk about your credentials. And uh, with me today in studio is our oft uh, and oft-beloved in-studio co-host. What is your name? <laughs> Clarice Connolly. Clarice Connolly. And uh, <laughs> what kind of coach are you? What do you do? How are, how are you related to all of us? <laughs> I'm a women's empowerment coach. Mm-hmm. And I am related to you through accomplishment coaching. Great. And I am found, I, you can find me on empoweringwomen.coach. Great. Thank you very much. Uh, now, here's the difference. Uh, I've been a coach for 23, four years. And uh, Clarice, brand new. How long have you been a coach? Three. Three years this last June. Great. So we're trying to bring diversity, equality, and yes. uh, yeah, uh, all those things. Into the, uh, here's what you need to know, my dear listener. First of all, I've been on vacation. How did you do last week without me? Um, amazing. Yep. Didn't skip a beat. It was really great. We did miss you, though, but yeah, we well, did really great. Aside, through the tears, fun. you were able to move on. Uh, here's the thing. First of all, I have a beard. No, not talking about my wife. Talking about my actual facial hair. And um, I uh, uh, did the thing with the boy. So uh, got a boy and a girl, child, and uh, I'm told. And they, um, the boy loves baseball even more than I do and knows more about it than I do, which is annoying because he's nine. Just turned nine, yep. and we're we're on a trek to do each year. We do a few more ballparks. There are thirty ballparks in North America. Would you like to know what numbers we just did? Yes. Nobody cares. Twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. So we're up to fourteen. We were in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Saw a Twins game. Went to Detroit, uh, Michigan. Saw a Tigers game, and then saw two games in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Would mm-hmm. you like to know my uh, one minute uh, assessment of these places? Ready to go. Minnesota's adorable. I've been there. Because, it's great. Right? Everybody dresses like they're in New York City, but the, the buildings are like six stories high. It's adorable, right? And clean and, you know, light rail and all the things you want, you know, some decent politics and, uh, and great coffee and beer. So what else do you need? Uh, Detroit, I fell in love with Detroit. Detroit's amazing. You know how, like, uh, I don't know, were you in New York after 9-11 yep. at any point, right? Mm-hmm. You know how, like, people, when they've been through some ass, they are nice right and Mm -hmm. connected and authentic and stuff that's exactly how i found detroit to be people are acknowledging you and connecting with you and even like the bad boys you know hanging out and smoking that reefer on the corner (laughs) like when i would walk by with my boy they'd be like hey you know and that's cool that's like kindness and connection and i liked it a lot milwaukee i did not care for yeah i thought yeah i thought i would love those people but no they're not my people there were uh there were a lot of very large people who would like move my son out of their way and i don't like that you don't touch people uh, people and you don't touch other people's kids right Mm -hmm. yeah i don't like that but um i'm sure they're nice people there uh actually in fact we ran into several nice people um in milwaukee just also a couple of not good representatives uh what else do i want you to know um why don't you talk about your experience with accomplishment coaching our longest time sponsor of this program uh we by the way bring you the greatest minds in professional coaching each and every week on this program i don't Mm -hmm. know if you knew that but we've only done it for like 16 years so Mm -hmm. uh it's going pretty well what uh what do you want people to know about accomplishment coaching and your experience there yeah absolutely uh so over three years ago i was interested and kind of at my low um 
and really wanting to become a coach. And I went online and started to research. And accomplishment coaching was one of the only coaching programs that I found that were in person. Every day you see all these advertisements for online coaching. It's in person. It's one year long. You meet one weekend a month. There's another format, too, where you can meet like bi-weekly or bi-monthly. Um, but it's just in-person training. You get a coach the entire year. Nobody else does that. Nobody else. You get your own coach. You're working your own stuff, getting Each and every all week, these tools. Once a week, not like three sessions in the year. Yeah. You get like, like, what is that, 40 sessions, 44 and sessions. It's, and it's one hour a long coaching session. I right. think like Landmark's like 30 minutes or something. But um, And it's just rigorous. They're accredited by the International Coach Federation, so they are held to a very high standard. And you know, you follow up with the hours, you can be accredited as soon as you graduate. And they, the best part is you, there's an observation that you can attend on the weekends, Saturdays, 10 a.m. to like noon, and you can just be a fly on the wall, come sit in, see where they're at and what month they're at, just show up and just be a witness and decide whether or not it's right for you, no strings attached. Yeah, now it's not for everybody, right? Accomplishment right. Coaching is designed to be the world's finest coach training program, has been since they started 18 years ago. and. Uh, they're not kidding around. It's not a hype thing. It's mm -hmm. actually the world's finest coach training program by any measure, including success of graduates, the um, money people are making, the um, number of books, number of hours of being coached, numbers of hours of actually, they actually bring in humans from the world to, for you to coach. So it's not like coach your neighbor or coach your friends or something, right? Mm -hmm. Extraordinary mm -hmm. program, Accomplishment Coaching. Check them out. They're in the following cities in North America. Are you ready? San Diego, California, America's finest city. Uh, Seattle, Washington, the Emerald City. Up in Canada, you got one choice, which is Victoria, British Columbia, gorgeous place to go or be from. Uh, Chicago, Illinois, the Windy City. We got New York City, the Big Apple, and Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And holy bajoli, don't they need some coaching these days? Man, uh, some interesting results from the election, but of course, we're waiting for, we're waiting for the fall. God. For the big elections. Let's see what else is happening. All, uh, all the conferences are behind us, so we're not going to promote any more conferences. Um, <coughs> pardon me, that I know of, I will cough into the microphone and tell you that we're going to have people um, from uh, many of the conferences that uh, I attended and the, the big conferences this year. But you, my friend, you who are listening, you, our one listener, you need to uh, go and register for the ICF Converge Conference, which is going to be in Prague, Czechos Prague, Czechos you say it. Czechoslovakia. Yeah, uh, next year, 2019. You want to be there. It's a delightful tax-deductible reason to go to Prague, Czechoslovakia, and you will learn something. Do it now. International Coach Federation, coachfederation.org. Is there anything else we have to say before we get to talk to our delicious guest? we got one guest today, the guest for the entire hour, and she's extraordinary. Anything else? No, I'm just overly excited to get her. Is that your overly excited voice? I, <laughs> I'm trying um, to contain myself. Man, I love people who are famous for what they have brought to the world, and she is one of these people. She is uh, internet famous, as we like to say, uh, a best-selling author of three books, uh, most recently, Expectation Hangover, colon, free yourself from your past, change your present, and get what you really want. She left a successful job as a Hollywood agent to pursue a life that she could be passionate about. And I want to shout out to Luca Leonti, who was on our social media. We've been doing some more social media stuff. And on Facebook, all we did was we put Christine's picture up. And uh, he identified her from her picture. We did a little teaser, like, can you tell who this coach is? And he was like, Christine Hassler, I know her. <laughs> so shout out to Luca. And uh, we'll send you something. I don't know. It won't be expensive. And... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> so please welcome to our microphone uh, delightful uh, facilitator, speaker, spiritual psychologist, former Hollywood agent, author, and life coach, as well as host of the top-rated podcast, Over It and On With It, Christine Hassler. Hello. That was one of my favorite introductions ever. Oh, you know Thank how to you. get to a guy. Right? <laughs> and internet and yoga studio famous. Oh, yo, oh dude. <laughs> Gotta throw it in there. Gotta throw that in there. There's nothing better. Uh, <laughs> recommended to us by people like Ariana Huffington. You know, you can hang out with the with the big kids. Um, oh, I guess oh, let's, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for being had, as we like to say. Um, Clarice, you could just leave Christine and me alone. We're good. <laughs> I'm I'll kidding. go ahead and sit back. He's got all the great questions. <laughs> Christine, here's what I want to know. I, I sort of started here on purpose. A lot of people, especially coaches, have this empire-building mindset, right? I'm going to write my right. books. I'm going to get famous, and people are going to know me by my picture, you know, as has happened to you. Tell us what it's like. Uh, tell us at least one highlight, something you didn't expect about being as famous as you are, and something <laughs> that's a drawback that you either didn't see coming or, yep, it's as bad as they say. Um, well, this, this is a great way to start my morning. I think I'm going to call you every day. Great. I, one thing that's, let's see, well, first of all, you know, I started as a coach in 2004, Hmm. so it wasn't like an overnight thing. It's definitely been a slow build and it it surprised me. I never planned on being a coach. I never set out and and said, I want to be a coach. I want to be a speaker. I want to have retreats, all all those kinds of things. Like I, I, I never I never saw any of this coming. Right. Nobody at career day said, hey, life coaching. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, And I think the thing that surprised me is how the industry of life coaching has just taken off. It's amazing to me. When I started in 2004, no one knew what a life coach was. Mm -hmm. And especially I was super young, too. So they were like, you haven't even lived a life. How are you life coaching people? And now it, it just seems like... It, it's the industry to get in. And, and that's, that's one of the things that surprised me. And the other thing that has surprised me just in my own personal journey is how truly, I wouldn't say it's a secret to my success because I talk about it openly, but the number one thing that has impacted my success more than anything in the world has me being my own best client. I have always made my inner work my number one priority above my business, above everything. And that is the thing that has continued to inspire me and has led to a steady success and one that feels really in alignment and in integrity with who I am. I'm hearing in that doing your own work first. In other words, we're never sort of a continuous growth thing, right? Mm -hmm. Does that work? Is that also true for you, Clarice? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So we go, so we're out there, we're doing our own work and, and do you have the thing where the minute you get good at something, it's time to take something else on Christine or do you sort of keep going with that and add to it or what's your you mean in terms of a skill set or Uh an insight um yes and no I I would say in the beginning or kind of like really when I started to get momentum as a coach from 2006 to 2000 we'll call it 14 I you know got two master's degrees I got NLP trained I I did a bunch of training beyond just those things and then you know, the last four years, I really haven't been looking for new tools. It's more I've been deepening in my own spiritual practice, been deepening in my own intuitive abilities, just been really honing my style and my skill. Because I think you you learn a bunch of things, and it's so important to have training and teachers and all of those things and your life experiences. And then you reach a point where it all just integrates, and you really find your own way and your own skill set and your own tools. So 
my my continual work is really just deepening in myself, you know, continuing to up leveling who I'm hiring as my own coach, continuing to go deeper in my own internal work. And then that just translates to how I coach. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Uh, what about fame? Any dark sides of fame? You got any weirdos? You got any uh, like can't go to the supermarket <laughs> and get my own sriracha anymore? It's so funny because I so don't relate to being famous in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Um, but so, so no, you know, what I've been really blessed with is I have an incredible tribe and incredible community, like just awesome people that come to my events. I, the people that listen to my podcast are amazing. It was really cool. I taught my first workshop in London and it, it sold out and people came from all over Europe and every single person there was there because they listened to the podcast Mm -hmm. and it, it was just the most loving, um, ready, willing group of people ever. So I, I just have the most incredible community um, and I love connecting with my community and, and because having a podcast and being online is, is really cool, but there's nothing like meeting the people that listen to you or follow you in person. That's one of my favorite things. That's uh yeah, that's great because so many of the people that listen to our podcast don't speak English. So you must, it must've been nice (laughs) for you to, all right. Um, You've got a retreat coming up. Tell me about the retreats you do and what's um, yeah. what's special about them. I mean, a whole lot of folks doing retreats, right? What's special about them? Yeah, well, it's, yeah. To be fair, right? Do your own horn. Let's go. Let's hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, again, it, it, facilitating retreats was something that I was led into. So even being a coach, I was writing 20-something, 20-everything, my first book, and I was talking to young women and also women in their 50s because I wanted to talk to our mother's generation as well. Mm-hmm. And both the women in their 20s and the women in their late 40s, 50s, 60s, after I'd interview them about their life and have a chat with them, they'd say, can I set up a session? Not every single one, but five, six people. And I kept hearing that. And I was also a personal trainer, and my my training clients just wanted to talk to me. They really didn't want to work out. And so I kept hearing from people, are you like a psychologist or a counselor? Or and I'd say no, and over and over again, I'd hear, well, maybe you should be. You have a knack for it. So that's that's how coaching started. And with leading a retreat, I was at a women's retreat in 2000, maybe seven or eight. And the facilitator was a beautiful facilitator and doing an incredible job, but was also going through something really challenging in her own life. And it was a, it was a small group, like 10 of us, and it was the last day, and she did one of the processes and we held space for her, which I thought was beautiful. And there came a place in it where she needed some help. And I just jumped in and started facilitating her in the room. And afterwards she came up to me and she's like, you're a natural retreat facilitator. Let me train you. Let's do a retreat together. You can start out with 20 something women. And that's how it started. Mm-hmm. And so my first retreat came from just jumping into sort of facilitating one where I was a participant at. Mm-hmm. And that retreat became um, kind of the core work of the retreats that I do. So I do different kinds. I do, I usually do one international one. I've done Costa Rica, Tulum, Bali, where I combine the kind of retreat element of being in a foreign place and, and getting into the culture there and also doing personal growth work and yoga and meditation and eating yummy food and all of that. And then the retreat I have coming up in March, which this one's just for women. Um, this is a dive deep, get raw, do basically 10 years of therapy in a weekend kind of retreat. So it's not about being at a spa <laughs> or being in a you know beautiful place, although it's at a beautiful place in San Diego. It's, it's the inner work and it's highly, highly experiential because I, 
I was diagnosed with depression when I was 11 or 12, started seeing my first psychiatrist then, was in talk therapy for a good 10 years. And in my 20s, I started to do more experiential somatic work where it was combining mind, body, spirit, everything. And that just got me so much further. So that's what this retreat is for. It's like really getting to those core issues, really getting to those blocks that you haven't been able to get to in the past and working through them in a highly experiential way because change really happens when we get it in our body, you know, when we deal with the unconscious. There's a lot we know about ourselves, and we can explain our issues a lot, Mm -hmm. but how do we actually shift them? And that's what that retreat's about. And if people want more information on these retreats, they can go to your website, Christine Hassler, Christine in the traditional C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, Hassler, H-A-S-S-L-E-R.com. There's a button for events. Um, still still space in the retreat in the upcoming in the spring? Yes, in March. We've we've had a wait list of 80 people for the past five years, so we've we've basically tripled the size we can hold <laughs> at the retreat because so get in there yeah yeah so so get in there because I'm sure there will be a wait list again and um, this is the work that really changed my life um, and and deep it opened everything up for me so I I want to continue to share it for as long as I can um, but it's, it's it's one that's not for the faint of heart it's it's you get in there and you you work and you go outside your comfort zone but all in a very loving way you know I think there's a lot of um, retreats that are very kind of masculine energy, like mm-hmm. catharsis and yell and state change and jump up and down. And that's that's beautiful. Like, that's great. I have a more feminine approach to the way I teach this retreat. So it's incredibly powerful. Um, and But it's also very nurturing, incredibly nurturing as well. Speaking of my heart, I, yeah, I just finished a two-year live in women's shamanic somatic uh spiritual feminist healing program and i can hear wow yeah it let me just vouch what she's saying the depth the raw the experiential experience um get into it what what are your thoughts or where do you stand on meditation um I think meditation is terrible. No, <laughs> what should more people be doing? You and me both, sister. Yeah, let's talk about it. Stop meditating. Stop green juice. Um, I, you know, I feel like it is essential in our world where our nervous system is constantly stimulated. And the other thing that I think is important about meditation is that it's not just about having a spiritual practice and hearing the voice of your intuition or hearing the voice of God or seeing mm-hmm. things or anything like that. It really is a check-in to see what's going on inside of ourselves mm-hmm. because we're so externally referenced. Mm-hmm. We can get up, we can turn on our phone, we can be in our computer, we can just so, be so about the outside world that there's, there's more and more discomfort with really being with ourselves. And one thing I'm really committed to as a coach is because a lot of coaching is focused on the mental level, changing your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people say, you know, feeling follows thoughts. And that's true with a lot of things. But there's also feelings and emotional states that are a result of pent-up emotions we haven't ever dealt with. That unless we get still and quiet and do something like meditation, we can continue to suppress. So meditation is highly uncomfortable for a lot of people because, one, we have these busy, busy brains. And two just sitting with ourselves and having no distractions can be really challenging because a lot can come up. A lot of feelings that you're trying to repress, a lot of maybe the anxiety that you're able to manage just by being busy. 
So I think it's essential as a check-in, as a, as a time to go in and go, okay, like how am I with myself? Can I sit with my eyes closed and maybe not listen to anything guided, not listen to any music, but just sit and listen to my own breath and discover what's going on inside. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one essential part of it. And, and two, like I was saying earlier, just calming down our nervous system and getting into a practice where we learn how to be with our mind. Because our mind is just like a galloping horse. And I, I use this analogy metaphor. I always get those two words confused in expectation hangover when I talk about shifting things on the mental level. We have this galloping horse of a mind, but we our awareness is the horseback rider with the reins. And so meditation, I feel, is a great opportunity to be the horseback rider, to notice the thoughts going, 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 going and going to stop or shifting them and not getting so attached to our thoughts. And I think the more we can become an observer of our, of our thoughts, our habitual thoughts and kind of that monkey mind, Mm -hmm. the more we can turn down the volume of those thoughts and actually hear the voice of our inner knowing, hear Mm -hmm. the voice of our intuition, which from my point of view is far more powerful than just our habitual thoughts. I love, I love that visual because it really, you know, when you have the conversation with a lot of people, they're like, oh, I su- I'm not good at meditation and I can't get my mind to stop or I can't. They have such a negative connotation to it. And, and the visual that I've always heard is if you're sitting back in the middle of a park, you know, watching the sky and you visualize these clouds and you just look at them. They're just clouds mm-hmm. and you just watch them. And it's like the same thing. You're just like listening and noticing like a thought. There goes another thought and, yeah. and get back to breath. So the way that you express that and the image that you kind of gave is like oh okay it really creates a different um yeah yeah and my one of um Britta the actual the woman that helped me get my retreats off the ground um who I taught with in the beginning she said something beautiful about meditation once that always stuck with me is it's it's meditation really isn't about how long you can have a quiet mind Mm -hmm. it's how quickly you can realize that your mind has wandered and you bring it back and say you meditate for five minutes, you know, four minutes and 59 seconds of that may be going, oh, there I go again, take a breath, bring it back. Mm-hmm. Oh, there, there goes my mind again, oh, bring it back. So, so yeah, I think that a lot of people, it, it, I liken it to people say, well, I'm not going to do yoga because I'm not flexible. Mm-hmm. Well, all the more reason to do yoga. So when you say, I can't do meditation, my mind's too busy, all the more reason to do meditation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about the people like me who are, uh, you know, I'm I'm often multitasking. You know, halfway during this conversation, I've been like cleaning up and doing my email. And, <laughs> oh, I'm and glad I'm so interesting. Writing my new book. Tell them. No, it's nothing. It's <laughs> nothing. <laughs> there's nothing about whomever I'm speaking to. You know, I struggle in meetings, right, to maintain eye contact because I'm thinking, oh, I could check my email, I could check my fe- Facebook, I could blah blah blah, right. So, so many of us, I think, you can recognize like there's a type, and there are more of us every day who are like multitasking, very poor at maintaining our attention span and that sort of thing. And so we generally think, ah, meditation, I can't really do it. You know, it requires being still for too long and blah, blah, blah. You've got to have encountered that. What's the, what's the first step? What's something that you would have all of us take on, even no matter how knuckleheaded we are? Actually exercise. Really? Because, yeah. yeah. Place to yeah. exert all that energy. I yeah. I think it's so important. I mean, I... I notice when I don't move in the morning, and movement can be a yoga class too, as long as I'm moving. Um, it can be a walk. If I don't move the energy, and it can be putting on music, dancing, like whatever, or if I don't move or express the energy, then it's harder for me to focus. 
Got it. And so I think that that's, that's we're, I think one time, well, we're, we're, uh, we have a hard time concentrating for a couple of reasons. One, we're all, we all have a dopamine hit whenever we look at our phone or right. use technology or whatever. So just our, our, our neural nets in our brain are constantly looking for the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Um, and so it's just, again, it's become habitual. But I also think we are creative beings, we're physical beings, we're sexual beings, we're, we're more than just these worker bees. And when those other areas of our life aren't satisfied, it's just like all this energy that needs an exit route. So it's hard to stay focused. But when you, you have all these kind of other aspects of being human, you have an expression for those things, then it's way more easy to be present because we're way, way more in our body. You know, I, and, and believe me, this has been part of my journey too. Like I'm, I'm really comfortable in my mind. Getting into my body has been something that has really been my priority in my last five years of my personal development. And that has shifted things more than anything else. It's way easier for me to meditate. It's way easier for me to be present. It's way easier for me to feel calm because I just don't spend as much time only in my head. Nice. So that, that actually, I love that because it gives me something to do other than like, well, just start with 10 seconds a day or 38 yeah. seconds a day or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, it's almost easier to go and move. Right. Like before I do meditation, I do um, some, a little, like a, like a five minute breath yoga series where I'm, I'm moving my body. And actually that, the breath and the movement helps me then sit still. And a lot of times if I'm just really like, I can't sit still, I'll go have a good workout, I'll go exercise, and then I'll come back and meditate. And it's way easier. Nice. That is a great takeaway for me. Um, Speaking of taking away, one of the things that you are a fan of in addition to meditation, and we're hearing exercise, is <laughs> journaling. What's the difference it's made for you and why bother? Because that sounds like something else I don't have time for. Yeah, well, actually, I, um, I oh, give yeah, a lot of my clients and the people that listen writing assignments. But what I'm mm -hmm. really actually a fan of is, is release writing. Um, it was something I learned in grad school. They called it freeform writing, but I kind of adapted it and made it work a little in, in my Christine way and call it release writing and it's it's super simple it's not complicated but it's another way to mind dump or to get to those emotions um, or thoughts that are more in the unconscious because only three to five percent of our behavior is consciously driven and so most of our thoughts like I was saying earlier are habitual most of our reactions are habitual so to get to our unconscious and also to help us relieve anxiety and to help us relieve a lot of kind of the, the monkey mind and the thoughts and the, the uncertainty and all those kinds of things is, and this is, this is actually something that's great for people that can't sleep as well, is to just get paper and just start mind dumping, just start mm -hmm. writing like whatever comes to mind. And it will be like chicken scratch because you're writing as fast as you're thinking. Mm -hmm. It's like a, like a, Stream of mental vomit. Yeah. Stream of consciousness. You're just, and it doesn't make sense and you don't reread it. And you also let emotions come up. Like I'm angry because I'm, I'm scared because I don't want to do this because like you let yourself or if somebody really pissed you off. It's like, I hate this person. you like, you can be as unevolved as you want <laughs> in release writing and just, mm -hmm. you know, let them have it. And then when you feel the energy shift, like you feel yourself relax or you feel more peace or you feel you're not as angry anymore or sad anymore then you rip it up or burn it. You don't save it. You don't reread it. You don't keep it in a notebook. And I find that kind of writing 
way more transformative than just mm-hmm. journaling because the thing with journaling, which can be useful, is that that analytical processing part of us can still be there. And in order for emotion to move and for unconscious material to truly exit, we need the analysis turned off. We just need it to go. And we need it to, to have the freedom to really release because a lot of times when the analysis processor is there, we, we tend to kind of mentalize it rather than just let it go. Oh, that music tells us it's time for a break. Ah. This is the great and powerful Christine Hassler we're talking to. <laughs> go out and get her in all of her books, but especially the latest one, Expectation Hangover. Free yourself from your past, change your present, and get what you really want. You can find out about the books and her podcast and her coaching and more by going to christinehassler.com. When we come back more with Christine Hassler, we'll talk about the book and her blog. Stay with us. It's The Coaching Show. Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, the coaching show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. Gotham Books presents Marriage Rules by Harriet Lerner. The book Martha Beck calls required reading for anyone hoping to interact successfully with any other human, not just for those in romantic relationships. Get your copy wherever books and ebooks are sold and visit harrietlearner.com to learn how to change your marriage today. Oh, I'm, uh, this is a, one of those embarrassing moments where I was expecting a lead in. We need to put a lead in there, Ross. Uh, hi. <laughs> this is apparently amateur uh, after. 16 years, uh, the coaching show podcast. Uh, my name is Christopher McAuliffe, master certified coach, and uh, I'm the host each and every week bringing you some of the greatest minds in professional coaching, but only, like I said, for about 16 years. In studio with us, we have Clarice Connolly. Clarice, say hello to the people. Hello. Or a person, as the case may be. And uh, man, we there was no intro. There was nothing. It was just you, that uh, really gets you, gets you, catches you off guard. Doesn't I, I, like, I every time I go into a room, I get announced. So I'm, I'm not used to just <laughs> dead air. Uh, we are delighted to are continue our conversation. Really <laughs> to, to continue our conversation with Christine Hassler, 
Christine, uh, in 2005, she wrote her first book, 20-something, 20-everything, and then followed it up three years later with the 20-something manifesto. Her latest best-selling book is Expectation Hangover. Free yourself from your past, change your present, and get what you really want. It's a guidebook for how to treat disappointment on the emotional mental, behavioral, and spiritual levels. In addition, we've talked about everything from the events and retreats she holds to um, the meditation and exercise that she recommends and journaling she recommends for all of us, including her clients. Um, Christine, let's talk about uh, the book, the latest book. What was it that you that drove you to, besides maybe deadlines and agreements, <laughs> to write Expectation Hangover? <laughs> Well, all my books I wrote because I needed them and couldn't find them. And Expectation Hangover, part of it was written out of my own, I don't want to say frustration, that's not the right word, but I noticed there was a trend in the personal growth industry, not, not everywhere, but I noticed it, of like a quick fix, of you just need to do this one thing, and the seven keys to this right. or the five ways oh, to this. Those get me every time. And I, I, I just felt a lot of people were, were being misled and then were feeling like something was wrong with them because they couldn't like fix themselves by doing this one thing. And so I really was looking, I was really looking at my own life and what really was working for me. And it was about two years after I had been through a divorce, which was a major expectation hangover. And just oh. let me define expectation hangover. It's, I made up the term. It's when one of three things happen. It's basically disappointment. So either life doesn't go according to your plan. Like you really think a business is going to be successful and it's not. Mm -hmm. You think you're going to be married at a certain age and you're not, so on mm -hmm. and so forth. Or things do go as you planned, but you don't feel the way you thought you would. Like my first career as a Hollywood agent, I worked my way up. I thought this was it. I thought I was going to be happy. I thought I was going to fill that massive void and heal all my insecurity issues. And I proved to the world that I was somebody and Everything would be fine. Nope, didn't happen. Still felt all the insecurity and self-doubt no matter how promoted I got. Or third kind is life just throws you a curveball. Mm -hmm. You get laid off, dumped, diagnosed with a disease, something like that. So I was going through my divorce. And by then, by that time, I had been coached, had a coaching practice for, you know, eight to nine years. And um, also was on faculty at my grad school where I was, had, was teaching spiritual psychology. And just felt like, wow, unless we deal with the emotional, mental, behavior, and spiritual levels when it comes to disappointment, we don't ever get to the core of the issue because the pattern I saw with everybody's expectation hangover, including mine, is it wasn't just about getting over that disappointment. That disappointment was triggering an old, like initial disappointment from childhood or adolescence that you never really healed. Like my, my divorce, for example, wasn't just about getting over that particular person and marriage and sense of failure and everything, it triggered every time I had my heart broken or every time I thought I failed or every time I felt like I wasn't going to be loved again or whatever it was. So I found that any kind of disappointment was this massive opportunity to do deep work, to do deep work so that not only could you get over that particular situation, but then so you could heal something that's really been kind of plaguing you for a long time and so that's why I wanted to write it I wanted people to leverage disappointment even though that doesn't sound fun like it definitely was a hard book to market because it wasn't like read this book and you'll be happy right. it was more read this book and dig into all your deep issues <laughs> <laughs> and possibly feel worse before you feel better but know that you're never going to have to go through it again mm. that's why I wanted to write the book 
I love the I love the notion of how many disappointments we're dealing with on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis in our lives. Right? Mm. What's the um, assuming assuming a normal uh, you know human experience? Right. So uh, I'm thinking about relationships. Right. You had a major disappointment in a relationship because you stood up in front of cameras and your friends and family and yep. said, "This is the one forever." Yep. And then yep. you, you were okay. like, "Nah, not so much." Um, yeah. Yeah. What's the um, when we look at relationships and the disappointments that are inevitable, and I love that you point to it, you know, I'm a guy who's been married 13 years, and this is not what I thought I would have 13 years mm. in. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like the routines and the, and the pathways and the ruts that we get in in relationship. Even us aware, air quotes, aware and, you know, alive, ever-changing people get into ruts. And, you know, I listen to my wife and partner with a certain jaundiced ear do you know what i mean <laughs> like she's like oh here it comes right <laughs> and that's not why i got married um when we look at relationships and the inevitable disappointments whether they're successful or or quote unquote fail what's what's your number one sort of reminder to us in terms of our inevitable disappointment in relationship well, I mean, I think it, there's there's disappointment. So, do you mean disappointment in terms of a breakup, or disappointment in terms of you know yes, the person that. that you're with? All or? of it. All of it. Okay, yeah. so let's let's break it and, down. And there's so. disappointment in just plain aging. You know, I mean, yeah. 13 years later, you're not the same human, and yeah. you know, you don't look the same. At least in my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so first let's talk about just breakup and heartache. Um, that can be brutal. I've been through it, you know, both in being the one who leaves and being the one who was left. And that to me is one of the biggest opportunities to work on our relationship with ourself and to really look at what we project on another person, what, what issues we have with mom and dad, what, what we tell ourselves about ourselves. It's, it's the hardest time often to love ourselves, but the most important time. And so I think breakups, and heartache offer one of the richest opportunities to do deep work because you're so raw and you're kind of so want the pain to end that oftentimes you're willing to do anything. And so often people try to get to, well, how do I heal this and get to my next relationship? Which from my point of view is the wrong approach because then you just end up dating the same person with a different face over and over and over again. You know, mm -hmm. like if, if on a soul level you're here to learn, like say for example, when you're five years old, your father abandoned you. And you made that mean that there was something wrong with you, even though it had nothing to do with you. It was his stuff. You're going to probably attract emotionally unavailable men or uh, be, a, be abandoned, be left, not feel safe in a relationship. Like that's most likely going to be a pattern you experience in dating. So when someone leaves or you get broken up with or whatever, it's, you can grieve that person, but really the opportunity there is to go back and deal with the disappointment from dad that happened when you were five, because that's what's continuing to create the disappointment you're feeling in current relationship. That that's the thing that, you know, is is not a newsflash to anybody, but I want to remind people of is your current disappointment with someone is most likely tied to a past event. Including and, if that someone's yourself. Par pardon me? Including, you said your current Absolutely. disappointment with someone. And I said often it's, you know, we'll, we'll project that on ourselves, right? Like if only I'd been whatever, yep. then yep. it would have worked out, right? Yep, yep. We can go into a lot of self-judgment, which isn't useful at all, because mm -hmm. regret is taking information you know now and going back and beating yourself 
up over something you didn't know in the past. It's just completely unfair to do. So all we can ask in those situations is, okay, what am I learning? What's the lesson here for me? Not why is this happening to me? The better question is why is this happening for me? But I, I think the even better question to that is what am I learning from this? Like what is this experience trying to help me heal or trying to help me see? What do I need to recognize? And I think even in disappointment in, in current relationships with people that we've been with for a while is, is you know, every day we're in a relationship, it's a choice. It's a choice. And the more we look to that other person to fulfill some kind of need or to make us feel a certain way or, or whatever, it's like we're giving away our power. And I think that the key in relationship is to make our priority our relationship with ourself and continue to show up for ourselves, and in, in a way where we're not looking to the other person to be our everything. And that's the other thing. I think that in a lot of relationship, there's this expectation that this one person is supposed to do a list of 90 things for us and is supposed to and do everything. And always exactly at the right time that we want it and never when exactly, we don't. Right. Exactly, exactly. And to be a mind reader and, and all kinds of things. And well, we project a yeah. lot of expectations onto people. And um, we, we don't perception check enough. We don't create agreements enough. We create more expectations. We want them to change. We often, you know we can can get into self-blame and and those kinds of things we can get lazy in the relationship and then and then a lot of times if we're already disappointed with someone we start to collect evidence against them Mm. so if your partner does something that kind of irks you a little bit then instead of looking at everything they're doing that's great we start to look at oh and then they did that and then they did that and then they did that and it just creates more distance and and more disappointment Man, I, I know that we're talking theoretically, so I want to bring in real life here. Yeah, and, uh, I totally have a really good one, but it's not on relationship. Well, then we're going to stay in relationship because uh, I know you don't want to talk about relationship no. today. Um, so uh, I'm going to talk about mine, and good, then I'm going to embarrass you. No. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no means no. This, this bullying by the cisgendered male. Come on. Um, <laughs> let's... Uh, Let's talk about, so in in my, I love that thing that you said about giving away your power, because in general, you know, as I said, like people announce me in rooms and stuff, because I generally surround myself with people who are, you know, relate to me as uh, in some way powerful. I caught myself the other day, my, my wife and I have very different attitudes towards housework right? Her attitude is some version of it's a necessary evil. And so we're not going to enjoy it, but we're going to do it and we're going to do it well. And we're going to do it now. And it's sort of a police state in our house when she's doing that. For me, I feel like housework is just one of the expressions of life and we should put on music and have fun and, you know, giggle our way through it. Right. And so I noticed the other day she was doing her thing about the housework and I was sitting there in judgment, you know, like, Oh, look at her go. There she goes again. Right. That's kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, what are you doing? McCalla? If you're just sitting here, like being, uh, policed, if you will. Right. As opposed to actually bringing my gifts forward and being a guy who's like, Hey, you know, honey, this would be even better if we, you know, played some of that good rock and roll music I've heard so much about. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, uh, I notice how there's so many off ramps to giving away our power and just sitting in our complaints. And mm-hmm. in that way, we're actually our own kind of um, jailer or we become the creator of the disappointment. Does that resonate for you? Yeah. And this goes back to what I was saying about how, how 
it's so important to have other aspects of our life fulfilled, our creativity, our, our service, our sexuality, our health, our physical well-being, all those kinds of things. Because I think that we can get just in the monotony of life and in the routine of life. And honestly, sometimes it's our, you know, our own stuff that gets in the way of relationship. Sometimes it is just straight up boredom. You know, we're just bored and we become complacent in relationship. And we sort of just look for ways to be irritated because we want to feel something. We yeah. want to feel something. And so it's it's taking responsibility for that and being like, okay, like how can I, like you said, like how could I get up and put some music on or how could I, you know, miracles of change in perception. So mm-hmm. rather than looking at the way she was doing the housework, the way she was doing it, you could in a second flip the way you look at it, be like, oh my gosh, like look at how cute she is when she bends over and vacuums or whatever, whatever you, whatever it it's may like be. It's like you've been to my house. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, it's in that moment we, we, have, we have the choice to get out of our own complacency mm-hmm. you know, and to get out of the reality that we're creating and to create that kind of state change. And that, that's how we keep, even a relationship that we've been in 13, 20, 30 years, that's how we keep it new. That's how we keep it interesting because you know, we all know from Tony Robbins that we have our need for certainty and uncertainty. There's a lot of, of calm and peace that comes from knowing someone for two decades, for 13 years, knowing who you're spending your life with, having your family in place. Um, But then that need for uncertainty is like, well, um, wait a second, where's that? Like there's too much certainty. And so when we have too much certainty in life or relationship, we need to create some uncertainty. We need to create some newness. We need to create some freshness. We need to create a way to reconnect with ourselves and someone else. And I noticed that in my own life when I become complacent or I'm a little more irritable or I'm disappointed with something. It's like, okay, what do I need to, what do I need to learn? What do I need to shift? How can I create some uncertainty in my life Hmm. so that I can show up differently? Yeah. I'm not allowed to do that anymore. No, I'm kidding. I'm just teasing. Well, anything you want to share, Clarice? I know a relationship is a sensitive topic today. You've informed oh us you don't want to talk about it. So, of course, I'm going to ask you, is there... No. Okay. So, this is going to be kind of heavy, but this... I'm hearing in what you're speaking and trying to, like, connect the dots for me. Um, mother wounds. So, oh, yeah. I've... My biggest expectation in life is, like, who I wanted my parents to be. Like, my mom yep. especially. Like, I had an expectation that she needed to show up X, Y, and Z. And... Mom missed the mark year after year after year. And then, you know, uh, kind of got into resignation. And I'm just like, whatever. I give her one, 10 minutes one time a month. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved across country to get away from it all. Right. Yeah. So uh, the uncertainty comes in when I find out my mom gets diagnosed with dementia. And all oh. of a sudden, mm-hmm. I've had this expectation of my mom that she's missed the mark all year, all my whole life. And now I'm like, man, do I have a year to like hurry up and learn who she actually is outside of my expectation? And so I'm kind of in this place like, okay, like, what's the first step? Like, where do I, (laughs) you know, how do you, uh, you know, hurry up and salvage like the the uncertain amount of time uh, to create a relationship I always wanted but never got? This is so great. We've got real live issues. We got two coaches here. (laughs) I'm really hoping that you want some coaching on this. (laughs) What do you see? What do you see? Christine, what do you got? Um, well, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Mm. I know that's probably not an easy thing to talk about. Um, and I think there's different layers to this. So, you know, I, if I look at things first from a spiritual psychology perspective in that you chose the mom you did for oh, particular man. reasons. You know, you wouldn't that. probably be here <laughs> as a coach without that. Mm. Um, but you don't want to get quite right to the spiritual bypass, right? You don't want to get to, I chose her and, you know, 
that that's that's later. I think what's important now is to feel your feelings about it and to grieve the relationship with your mom that you never had, like to grieve the ideal of who to, it's almost like let the, the version of your mom that you wanted her to be your whole life, like let that die and, and grieve that because when we grieve the ideal of someone, it's way easier to accept who they are, come to peace with that and, and have forgiveness. So I'm sure you've done work around this. I'm sure you've yeah. done some anger release around it. I'm sure you've cried your tears around it and, and grieved who she hasn't been to you. And then, and then from that place, it's, it's like, how are you an inner mother to yourself? Like, well, I'll just ask you, Claire, how, how are you really mothering yourself? And I don't mean like making your bed every day, but I mean like that unconditional, I, I got you no matter what. I have so much compassion for myself, the self-nurturing, like how are you at being a mom to you? I love that. Um, I do a lot of work with adult children of dysfunctional families and in the step work, you really get to see like, how would you reparent yourself? Like how, if your parent was here, how would you want your uh, metaphorical parent to show up for you? And it's like, in that is the actual way that I show up for myself. It's like, well, here's, I could have that expectation of how I wanted it to go, but here's how I actually feel like I need in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think one of her gifts to you is that you get to embody and be a mother, not just to your clients and the people that the teenagers you work mm. with and all of that, but mm. you, cause sometimes we give to the world Empowering easily, women but when giving coach, to ourselves yeah. is a little more challenging mm-hmm. and, and how can you like really embody that even more? And then, you know, in terms of where she is now, what's, what do you think the gifts in dementia are for her and for you? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I took this straight to my coach. I'm like, well, what do you do? And you, you know, I'm like, oh, just because she got it, she's gonna be a completely different person. I get on the phone. I'm like, nope, still the same. Yeah. So you know, it, thank gosh, I worked this out with my coach a little bit. But it was like I just created 50 questions of like actually getting to know her instead of assuming yeah. what I do know. And I noticed in making my first phone call, I like called her and I was like, hey, I actually, I just want to hear about your childhood and like tell you me who you were as a kid. And I noticed through that, I actually got to connect with her. Right. And I actually got and to like feel right? her yeah. instead of this like emotionally unavailable, closed, shut down like figure that just occupied my life. And I guess the gift is like the connection that I actually was looking for. Mm, I love that. I love that. Well, there's probably like so many layers, layers. to this. Yeah, point, there's right? probably like, so many. Layers. So, 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 so many layers. And I think that like how beautiful that you get the opportunity to, um, to make peace with this relationship and really like forgive, you know, because it's one of the things that is so kind of hard for us to understand is that people really are doing the best they could. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure you could come up with a list of a thousand things that Mm -hmm. she could have done better as a mother Mm -hmm. and you'll do better as a mother if you choose to be one. Mm Mm-hmm. But often, and I know you know this, I'm saying what you know, we project how we would be onto someone else. Mm-hmm. It's like, I would have done that so much differently. Mm-hmm. But really, she was doing the best she could. And she was coming from, she didn't choose to wake up like you did in this mm-hmm. lifetime. And mm-hmm. she's coming from her pain and she's coming from her wounding. And now, you know, her pain was so painful that she's manifested an illness where she's going to forget it all. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like, if you can have, if you can really see it like, wow, her pain was so painful that she can't even live, she can't even bear to remember it anymore. So her unconscious has created a situation 
where she's just going to start forgetting things because it's just that painful. And if you can really know, and again, I'm telling you things, you know, just reiterating them, know that like the way she mothered or didn't mother you had zero to do with you, mm. like zero. In fact, you being a little love, cause I can tell you're a love bug and a light worker, like you being that kind of love in her life was probably so triggering for her because she had no self love. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nail on the head yeah. for sure. And and I, I I always like to like put it out there. Like if you're listening, you know maybe the story's a little bit different. And I know so many women that I work with, you know their their mother wound is the deepest, darkest, yeah. most painful, um, and is you know something we avoid. And and maybe I avoided it to a flavor because I focused on working my dad relationship first. How convenient, <laughs> right? And then I was like, wait, no. Oh, you know, and the, the the rug was ripped out from underneath me. So yeah, the gift of like now is the time to actually work on that, and you know, instead yep. of waiting until she's on her deathbed at eighty or something, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And Clarice, like I think, in so many ways, you know, you and I'm sure a lot of people can listening to this. Mm-hmm. You're quote unquote the black sheep in the family. You're the generational pattern breaker. You're the one that stops the mother-daughter wound Mm -hmm. in your lineage, Mm -hmm. um, which is an empowering place to get. But you're right. It's a huge one. It's a big thing that I work with at my retreats Mm -hmm. um, is the mother wound because I think it's one of the most challenging relationships that women have is our relationship with our mom. Yeah. 100%. Well, I have no issues with either of my parents, so this is all very, very interesting (laughs) to me. (laughs) Well, for all the other listeners (laughs) that may or may not. (laughs) Exactly. Just kidding. Some will be in the relationship Um, boat, some in the mother (laughs) Man, I hate to take us out of a, such a tender moment. And thank you so much, Christine, for what you've contributed. And yeah. thank you so much for sharing, Clarice. It's um, great to see your heart, and I'm sorry for the pain. But we would be remiss if we did not mention Christine's uh, amazing podcast and very popular podcast. Um, Christine, without uh, you know totally breaking the mood, tell us about Over It and On With It and where we can mm-hmm. find it, both on Podcast One and iTunes and wherever po- uh, podcasts are available. Oh, I, I love my podcast so much. I love doing it. It's, um, yeah, it's on iTunes. We also started doing video episodes as well that are on YouTube. And what it is, is it's live life coaching. So someone calls in or they come in to the studio and I don't, I don't know anything about them beforehand. And we just dive right in. I just say, hi, what's your question? And it's about half an hour and we do life coaching, spiritual psychology. Like I, I use lots of different modalities, um, to, to get where we need to go. But it's, it's so, I, I'm so just touched by how vulnerable and how courageous the people that come on are. I mean, we do, we talk about deep stuff and there's everything from career issues to health, to relationship, to what's my purpose, to why am I sabotaging things? Um, and I, I wanted to do it because I saw as a facilitator that people receive a lot of value when they're coached um, and, and receive just as much, sometimes even more value when they watch or listen to someone else be coached because our defenses are down when we're not in the hot seat. And the best way for me to teach often is again, through showing through experiential learning. Like I can talk about healing your mother issues, or I can show you what it's like to take someone through the process of actually doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. Such an important thing for all coaches and people who are interested in coaching. So check it out. It's over it 
and On With It with Christine Hassler. You can find it, as I said, at Podcast One or iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are available, including Christine's website, christinehassler.com. Christine, uh, we've uh, enjoyed our time with you immensely today. Thank you so much for your gifts. We've got about a minute left, and I want to give it all to you. What's your parting thought or parting shot today for tens of thousands of coaches listening? What would you have us know today? (laughs) Oh, well, I would say, coaches, first of all, thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have that imposter syndrome or self-doubt that there's too many coaches, let me just bust that for you. There are like billions and billions and billions of people in the world, and we're going through this massive up-leveling and shift in consciousness, so you're needed in the world. And I would say take my tip for success, which is make yourself your own best client. Not from the place that you're broken, but that you deserve it. Beautiful. That's Christine Hassler. Go check her out, christinehassler.com. Thank you so much for being with us, and more than that, thanks for the work you're doing in the world. And thank you, my Clarice Connolly. Thanks for uh, showing us your open heart today. You, of course, mm-hmm. people can find by going to empoweringwomen.coach, empoweringwomen, plural, dot coach, singular. I'm Christopher McAuliffe, and each and every week we bring you the greatest minds in professional coaching right here on The Coaching Show. We'll talk to you next week.